it's Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you are listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon coming out of Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5, and it's titled, Who Do You Think You Are? If you have a Bible today, please take that Bible, open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, we're going to get back in where we left off two weeks ago, and was thankful to have Pastor Carl preach for me last week. I'm thankful to have guys on our staff that are good preachers and uh, I can be gone and not have to worry about what kind of shape I'm leaving you in. I never have to sit there and say, well, I wonder if they're going to preach the Bible. So uh, we're blessed. We're thankful for that. But today we're getting back into our verse-by-verse study of the book of Romans. It's entitled, A Life Transformation. And one of the things that we've been saying for quite some time now, almost 45 weeks, is someone who comes to know Christ as Lord and Savior, their life cannot remain the same. It is transformed. It is changed. We could use all the different analogies of being free, of being, uh, being uh, well, let's just say transformed and we'll leave it for that, Okay. But today, I've got to, a, a question that I want to ask you, and uh, it's, it's really, it might even be an irritating question. And uh, some of you are like, well, I expect any question you to ask to be irritating. Um, first of all, you ever gone on a long road trip, and you have your kids with you, and you have your dog with you, and uh, well, I mean, we were, we were coming back from northwest Arkansas this past week, and and, and, and I'm the one who kind of led the charge, but I said, you know what? We, we can just drive straight through in 15 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the beginning, I'm like, that'd be a great idea. You don't have to stop and get a hotel and save money. And nothing like sleeping in your own bed. You got to admit that. Nothing like sleep. And so we powered through 15 hours. And when we finally got to the house, it was about 1 a.m. And here's what was said. Don't care where you go, just get out of my sight. And we love each other. But when you're on one of those long road trips, what is that irritating question that is asked all the time? Dad, are we there yet? Dad, are we? Is that not irritating? Are we there yet? I heard about one guy that was driving on a long trip and he had his three kids that were in the back of the car and uh, they were going to be driving all day long and they've been on the road five minutes, five minutes. And the kids started, dad, are we there yet? Dad, when are we going to be there? Daddy, are we there yet? He pulled over on the side of the road and he said, now listen, this trip's going to take us all day long. It will be dark before we get to our final destination. This is the only warning I'm giving. Nobody better ever ask the question again, Dad, are we there yet? Pulled back onto the road, was driving down maybe five miles. A little innocent voice in the back of the car said this, Dad, is it almost dark yet? Isn't that irritating? (laughs) Well, today I want to ask you a question that you may say is irritating, but that is not the intent. Instead, it's to get you to have a great understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. But here's the question. Just who do you think you are? I was asked that question a lot growing up. It never was positive. 
It was always after I'd done something, well, not so great. Just who do you think you are? But today I want to ask you that in the context of where we left off a few weeks ago. Remember in the first two verses of Romans chapter 12, he has been talking about a transformation again taking place. He's been saying, do not be conformed to the mindset or the pattern of this world. And by the world, we're not talking about earth. We're talking about the mindset that says, I don't need God. Do not be transformed or do not be conformed to that. Instead, be transformed, right? And we said the only way that that can take place and happen is I've got to give my all, surrendering everything about me to Him. My soul, my body, my mind, every part of me. Here I am, Lord. I give it to you. And so it's in that context that it tells us there that God will transform the way we think. And we have some examples right here in Romans 12, verse 3. Read it with me. He said, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So, there are two questions that I want to ask you that deal with the other question. So you're like, that's three questions. No. It's one question fleshed out by two questions. Okay? I I missed last week. I should be asking you four questions. But I'll only ask you two today. The first one is this. Realistically, who are you? Realistically, who are you? And I ask that question because I'm encouraging you to develop this honest, serious evaluation of who you are. I heard somebody say one time, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Exactly. Basically, what they were saying is this. You need to understand how other people see you. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying you need to understand, more importantly, how God sees you. And the reason why it's important for you to see how God sees you is so that you can see yourself realistically the same way that He sees you. Now, with that being said, I want us to look at three realistic values Answering this question realistically, who are you? The first value is overvalue. Do you know that there are many people that overestimate their value? There are folks that overestimate their work. They say something like this, you know what, I'm somebody. I'm better than everybody else. For you country folks, here's how we would say it, I'm the cat's meow. In other words, I'm better than everyone else. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. They think they're the only one that can do the job right, that everybody else cannot do it any better than they can or even as good as they can. They even think, I am the pinnacle of greatness. They may not say it out loud, but secretively, they really think that they are the greatest in the world. And Satan comes up and Satan whispers, you know what? You're better than everybody else. 
In fact, you're as good as God. If you were here two weeks ago, we, you remember I said, Satan is not sitting there saying, I want you to worship me. He knows you're too good for that. Instead, he's saying, why don't you worship yourself? Why don't you exalt yourself? Why, do you put, why don't you put more value in yourself than what you really have or you really are? And some people are just that way. They get into that trap of thinking there's something special, there's something great, and hear me, I know it's not fully there, but it's only a few more steps till you get to the mindset of the world where you say, I'm so powerful, I'm so good, I'm so special, who needs God? I got this thing figured out. There was a guy one time was driving home in rush hour traffic on the expressway that he takes every day. His wife called him on his cell phone and she said, Honey, listen, I wanted to call you and let you know to be extremely careful. I've been watching the news and there's somebody on the expressway that you're on and they're driving in the wrong direction. And he said, Honey, you're not going to believe this. It's not just one of them driving in the wrong direction. They're all driving in the wrong direction. Some folks are like that, right? Some folks, they think they're the only one right and everybody else is wrong. Let's take it a step further. You might even be here this morning and you may be thinking, you know what, God, I'm doing you a favor. I've come to worship today. I could be at the beach. I could be at the golf course. I could still be in bed. I could be anywhere else, but God, you know what? I am going to do you a favor, and I'm going to come to church today. God, here I am. You're so fortunate that you got me. Some folks think that they are indispensable and irreplaceable. You know, cemeteries are full of people who thought they were indispensable and irreplaceable. Friends, I want you to hear me today. There is only one indispensable, irreplaceable member of the body of Christ, and it is the head, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Don't make the mistake of overvaluing yourself, of thinking, oh, look at who I am. Look at how wonderful I am. Look at how I have it all together. Listen, the Bible says this. The Bible says, let him who stands take heed lest he falls. Elsewhere, the Bible says this. The Bible says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So that's one extreme. I'm going to overvalue myself. Who do you think you are? Well, man, I think I'm, I think I'm everything. I think, I, again, I'm the cat's meow, right? But then there's the other extreme, and that is undervalue. See, there are some of you today that say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm somebody. Matter of fact, I think I'm worthless. I think that I'm no good. Hear me, that is not true either. Sometimes people walk around with their shoulders slumped and they're saying, well, I'm nobody, I'm nobody, I'm nobody. And they say, well, that's just humility. Friend, that's not humility, that's bad posture. 
He's not saying that, that you say, look at me, I am terrible. God doesn't want you to walk around thinking that you are nobody, that you are nothing, because as our students already reminded us this morning, you're somebody in Jesus Christ. That I'm talking to those folks that are saved today. You have a relationship with Jesus. He is in you. You are a loved, cherished child of God. And God looks at you right now covered in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. So don't go around saying I'm nothing. Don't go around saying I'm nobody, right? Oh my goodness, I'd love to stand before you today and say, you know what? I told them to sing that last song. I didn't. I'd love to take credit for it. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Mm. That's good. That's good. Right now, this moment, friend, if you're a Christian, you're in Christ, it says that you are dressed in his righteousness alone, and that when God looks at you, he says, there is a faultless, forgiven child of mine. It's not based on who you are, it's based upon who He is. It is based upon what He has already done, and it is based upon what He is doing right now in your life. It's based upon the finished work of the cross. You are somebody in Jesus Christ. Don't make the mistake of either of these extremes. And then we have the proper value. Look at verse 3. Look at what it says again. He says, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. But then look at the last part of verse 3. To each one a measure of faith. That's the proper value there. That you have an unshakable confidence in God. But you're not going to be conceited about that. Why? Because your confidence is not in yourself. Your confidence is in Jesus. I had somebody not too long ago, they said, you know what, Stephen, you're pretty self-confident, aren't you? And I'm like, is that a compliment or what what is that? that?" (laughs) And here's what I said, I'm really not. I'm no more confident in Stephen Kyle than I'm confident in the devil. But now I am confident in Jesus Christ. I am confident in every word that he has said. I am confident in every promise that he has made. I am confident in every power that he has given. And it is unshakable confidence that is found in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about that. The very guy who wrote Romans. It's interesting. You see this playing out over in the book of Philippians. He wrote this to the church at Philippi, right? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, listen to what he wrote. He said, I have no confidence in the flesh. I have no confidence in myself. And then we move a little bit further and we get to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And he said, I can do all things though through Christ who strengthens me. Man, I think a great example that we see in the Bible, the proper uh, value or the proper image that we ought to have as followers of Jesus Christ is through John the Baptist. Here's John the Baptist. He's out in the Judean wilderness and he is preaching and he is baptizing. And then all of a sudden one day there is a group of Pharisees that come to him and they say, hey, John, who are you? 
He would have been correct if he would have said, who am I? I mean, why are you even out here? You know who I am. Why would you come all the way out here unless you've heard about me? I'm telling you, I'm an amazing preacher. I am leading a great movement. People are coming and leaving all just so they can hear me preach. I am an amazing orator of the Word of God. And he would have been correct. But he didn't do that. Hey, John, do you think that you're the Messiah? He could have said what others said before him and others have said since. Yes, I am the anointed of God. But he didn't do that. He didn't even say, I'm nobody. He didn't say, I'm nothing. They said, hey, John, who are you? And John said this, I am the voice of the one that is crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord because Jesus is coming. My job is to get ready for him. My job is to point people to Jesus. Now I'm telling you, that's a positive self-image because here's what that says. Before Christ, I was nobody. But through Christ, I am now somebody. What is my goal? My goal is to tell everybody about the very one who has transformed me from the inside out. Oh, you can't shut me up, right? Oh, you can't cause me to quit. Oh, you can't sit me down because he's inside of me and he's flowing and spewing out of me. And so I am now somebody, not based upon myself, based upon the one who gives transformation, gives life, and gives change. Give him praise this morning. My goodness, folks. Y'all going to have to clap more. I was cooped up in a car with three kids and a dog. And thank God, 15 hours with my beautiful bride. But... Realistically, who are you? Who do you think you are? Question two. Relationally, who are you? How do you relate to others around you? Let's even get a little bit more specific. How do you fit into the body of Christ? Look with me. Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but... All the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Now here's what we know. This is talking about the body of Christ. Now please hear me. Every individual must personally relate to Jesus Christ, okay? Okay, don't miss this, okay? When it comes to salvation, knowing that you're in Jesus, knowing that you are a Christian, this is not a decision that anyone else can make for you. You may make the statement, you know what, I'm a Christian because I was born into a Christian family. You may make that statement, but that statement is not true. You can't be born into Christianity, okay? You can't sit there and say, well, I must be a Christian because I go to church, or I must be a Christian because I, I read this, or I must be a Christian because I give this, or I celebrate Christmas and I celebrate Easter. No, Salvation is something that individually you must come to Christ yourself. You've heard me say this. If I can make the decision to trust Christ for you, you would all be saved. And today I would only be preaching and talking about the glory and the greatness of God. We'd be doing a lot of singing because you're all saved. But that's not the case. Now, with that being said, it is absolutely essential and important for you to be a part 
of the church. I want to share four statements about you today if you're saved, okay? If you're here today and you say, yes, I know Jesus as Lord, these are four statements that can be made about you. Statement number one, you are an individual member of the body of Christ. That just as your physical body has different parts that all have different functions, that's the very way the members of the church function. Whether you believe it or not, in my head I have a brain. I may not always use all of it, but I have a brain. Right? I have a nerve center. I have a control center. And that brain sends out instruction sends out waves to the rest of my body to do and to function the way that it is supposed to function. When we use the terminology that Jesus is the head of the church, we're not saying he's the skull of the church. We're saying that he is the brain of the church. He is the control center of the church. He is the nerve of the church. And what Jesus says is just like my brain giving messages through my nerves, telling the other parts of my body what to do. That's how Jesus Christ functions in your life and in my life. Here's a hand. Pretty neat thing. It's amazing, I go to pick something up and it's like God designed it to do just that. And by the way, can we just today give a shout out to the thumb? <laughs> go home today and just for a little while say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my thumb and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start functioning without a thumb. How fun would that be? That would be horrible. No, he designed it perfectly so that it might function the way it's supposed to function. Likewise, here are feet, size 11s. These are Echoes, 44 European size. They're designed what? To give me balance. They're designed to help me walk. They're designed to move me from point A and to point B. Let's just say, all of a sudden you said, you know what? I'm going to quit walking on my feet and I'm going to start walking on my hands. And we've all seen people that if they don't have feet, and so they have to walk around on their hands. I'm just saying it would be much more difficult to function that way because the body is not really functioning the way that it was designed to function. If you said, you know what, here's the deal. I'm going to start walking around everywhere on my hands, and I'm going to use my feet to pick things up. Now, as someone who's 51, and I've been told the older you get, the more you try to accomplish this feat, but I do everything I can to keep from bending over and picking things up, and so I use my feet to try to pick up socks and everything else. These young people don't get that, but I've counted the cost. Am I worth, you know, is it worth me taking the extra time or the extra effort for me to bend over? But it's not designed that way. You see, he's talking about the body of Christ here, okay? We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the church, that he's the head, he's the nerve center of this body known as Highland Park Baptist Church. Now, sometimes people think they don't have to affiliate with a church, 
Sometimes people think they don't have to relate to a church. They don't have to relate to a local church. And here's what they say. They say, I'm a Christian and that's all that matters. Now, I will give you that that is the most important thing that matters. But you can't be a growing Christian and be separated from a local body of believers. Sometimes folks will say this. They'll say, well, I love Jesus Christ, but I don't have to go to church. I can just meet in the house with my family. We can just read the Bible and we can sing songs. Isn't that a church? I've had men say this to me. I don't go down to your church on Sunday morning because me and a couple of buddies. Now, we're all Christians, but me and a couple of buddies, we go fishing and we have our church out there on the water. And the last time one of them said it, I said, well, now what's it called? Is it called the Church of Zebco or the Church of Bass Pro? I've had guys say to me, you know what, I don't go to church on Sunday, but I don't have to go to church. I play golf with three guys every Sunday morning, and that's our church. And I'm like, what's the name of it? The Church of Titleist? The Church of Big Bertha? Are those things churches? Let me very quickly, let me give you something. We got time. You ain't got nowhere to go. I want to give you three words to help you determine whether something is a church or not. And they all begin with the word O or the letter O. The letter O. First of all, organized. Organized. The New Testament makes it very clear a church will be organized. There are two offices of the local New Testament church, the office of pastors and the office of deacons. Are they organized as a church? But then there's a second word, and it's the word ordinances. Do they practice the ordinances of the church? What are the ordinances of the church? Baptism and Lord's Supper. Are they practicing those? And then the third word, and this is the one that normally gets most of them, it's the word outreach. Are they reaching others for Jesus? And some of these groups are fellowship groups and they're not reaching out and they're not fulfilling the Great Commission and they're not trying to bring people to Christ. And friend, hear me, you cannot call yourself a church if you're so self-focused and you're so self-centered that you're never trying to reach out to other people. You may be a glorified Sunday school class. You may be a group that gets together that enjoys studying the Bible. You may be a group that loves to use other excuses for not attending church. But stop calling yourself a church if you're not being soldiers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One or two of you agree with it. Every believer has to be affiliated with a local church because you are an essential member of the body of Christ. Let, let me share with you some statements. Again, the first one, you are an individual member of the body of Jesus. Secondly, you are an incomparable member in the body of Christ. Here's what that means. In the body of Christ, there's no one like you. Incomparable. No one like you. you know, there may be folks in the body of Christ, right, in the local church, and you know, they may have the same gifting that you have, they may have the same function, the same talents that you have, but because of your personality, because of your likes, because of your dislikes, because of that, you have a little different uh, spiritual DNA makeup, and there is no one in the body of Christ exactly like you. 
The other day I saw a guy, I was in a store, I saw a guy wearing a shirt, and he said, I'm one in a million. And, uh, and I looked at him, I'm like, I bet you are. <laughs> one in a million. Here's what he meant. There's no one else like me. I'm one in a million. Friend here, I, I'm, I'm telling you that you're an incomparable member of the body of Christ. I'm not saying that you're one in a million. Here's what I'm saying. You're one in six and a half billion. There is no one on the face of the earth that is like you. You're an individual member. You're an incomparable member. Third, you're an interconnected member. Look what he says in verse 5. He says, we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know what he has just said? He has just said, I need you and you need me. We need each other. That God has given me certain functions and certain gifts and God has given you certain functions and certain gifts and when I do my job and when you do your job, the body of Christ moves together the way that God intended it to move. Let me ask you a question. What if all of a sudden in your physical body, what if all of a sudden your right arm said, I'm going to stop doing what the brain tells me to do? That the brain is sending out those nerve signals, right? Sending out those messages, and the right arm's like, nope, not going to do that. Care what you say, brain. I'm not doing another thing. We've got a word for that. You know what it's called? Paralyzed. Paralyzed. It's not functioning the way that it was intended to function. Well, listen to me. When you are not functioning in the local church, the local church is paralyzed. It is paralyzed. And the rest of the body would be handicapped if one part of your body decided to quit doing what it was designed to do. This is a great church. I can't believe God allows me to pastor this church Everywhere I go all over the world and I tell them where I'm from, they say, oh, I've heard of that church. And I'll tell you, when I first came here and they said, oh, I've heard of that church, I'm like, I better back up. <laughs> and God, it's time to take your pill. Take your pill. God has done such a great work through this church. His favor has been poured out that we have a reputation of being a great church. But friends, I want you to ask you a question today. How do you think this church would be if every member were using the gifts and following the function that God's given them in this body? We'd be an even greater church. We'd make a greater impact for the kingdom of God. And I say this lovingly. And I say this as one who will give an account for your soul. And I say this as one who gives an account for every word that comes out of the mouth standing behind this desk. There are some of you that are merely spectators. There's some of you that you're honestly, all you're doing is you're warming a seat and you come and you sit and you watch and you give a little bit here and you give a little bit there, but you're not really involved in the body of this church. You're not involved in some kind of ministry of this church. You're almost like you're a part of the body that is paralyzed and please hear me, it's affecting the rest of the body. 
And you may think the church doesn't need me. Yes, we do. We are dependent upon you. Every member of this body of Christ, we need you. Now, I'll grant you there are some members of this body that are more, maybe more prominent than others, that are more visible than others. Every week, you're going to see me, you're going to see Pastor Wayne, you're going to see Corey, you're going to see us up here on this stage every week. But we're not the head. I'd say we're like the big nose. That's what we're like. And then there are folks out there, and you know, friend, you may be something else. Some of you might even be a little toe. You say, what's the little toe for? Little toes to give you balance. If you've ever lost your big or your little toe, it's hard to keep balance. The little toe is extremely important. Somebody said this, the reason why God gave us a little toe is to be able to find the bedpost when we get up and walk around in the middle of the night. <laughs> Isn't that true? Goodness. Who? You sit there and you think the little toe's not important. You just find that bedpost and you'll find how important the little toe is. I can promise you this, when you do find that, the rest of the body does not sit there and say, oh, that's just a little toe. No, the rest of the body's like, oh, that hurts. That hurts. The little toe hurts and everybody hurts. Someone said this. They said, a little toe is not important. Are you kidding me? Now, how many of you would sit there and say, you know what? This little toe causes me so much pain. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut it off. Well, you're not going to do that. Because you cut the little toe off, it's going to hurt the rest of the body. When you stub your little toe, even though it may be an insignificant, invisible member of the, most of the time, all the rest of your body will pay attention to it. You're going to give it a lot of attention, and you're going to try to make it feel better. That's the reason why even though the church of, G of Jesus Christ, the living Christ, the body of Christ, even though the church is organized, it is not an organization. It's an organism. You say, what's the difference? Some of you are part of organizations. If somebody is not fulfilling or living up to what they're supposed to do, or if someone is there and they're an insignificant part, someone is hurting the rest of the body, the organization, what do you say? We'll just cut them off. We just call it downsizing. The church doesn't function that way. The church is an organism. Every single part is equally the same of importance to, comp to accomplish God's plan and God's will. We don't cut it off in the body of Christ. Instead, when there's a member of the body of Christ that's hurting, what do we do? We go try to help. We show love. We devote a lot of attention. We devote a lot of effort to help a hurting member. We don't cut people off. God help the church. I used to say this. God help a church if it gets so big that all of a sudden it starts functioning as an organization. I'll just go ahead and tell you this. In my many years of ministry, I have found size has nothing to do with it. 
But when a church starts functioning as an organization versus an organism, then I am saying that is not the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. We're all connected together to accomplish what God is wanting to accomplish through us. And the devil comes along and the devil says, you know what? That church doesn't need you. And there are some of you today that sit there and say, well, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think God can use me in the church because I've had a failure. When, when, I, when I hang on now, if, we, if, we, if we're signing up to be a part of the failure club, would somebody please pass the list my way? Let me put my name on it. Last time I checked, there's no door outside this place that says only for the perfect. If we decided next Sunday the only folks that could come to this place are those that are perfect, then first of all, you'd have to find a new preacher. Don't know if there'd be many up here to sing. Now, some of you guys would show up here because you think you are perfect and you would only realize, oh my goodness, I'm not even perfect. There'd be nobody out there to serve coffee. Can you have church without coffee? No, he's not sitting there saying we are a called out perfect individual or perfect group of individuals. What we are are the called out imperfect people of the world who serve a perfect risen Savior. Oh, please hear me, friend. He's not done with you. He is not done with you. You, there's some of you sitting here and you say, you know what? I can't be used anymore. Oh, he's not done with you. There's some of you here saying, well, I've decided I would take some rest serving. Well, now, if you found that chapter and verse, I'd like to know that one. I'm going to make me a t-shirt with it on it. I'm about to take me some rest. There's some of you that are like, well, I've retired. Hello? Hello? You may have retired from your job, but the only time I think you retire from serving in the local body of Christ is when you're about six feet under. Or, or in a little vase on somebody's mantle. No. We need you. You need us. We're all in this together. I used to not believe this when I was young. I used to believe, you know what, this life will never end. I will have forever. And I can remember my dad saying, you blink and the next thing you know, you're an old man. Hello. Not even a blink. I'd say the twinkling of an eye. And so while you're in this life, understand, he's not called us to be lone rangers. And let's just be honest, lone ranger had Tonto, right? We interconnect. We do this thing called the church, the body of Christ. So I'm an individual member, an incomparable member, an interconnected member. Here's the fourth and final one. I'll finish it and we'll go home. You're an innovative member. 
Then we're going to get to verse 6 next week, and verse 6 is going to say God has given us these, these gifts. God is, has given us spiritual gifts, and he's going to talk about them in verse 6. Hear me, a gift is not like a birthday present. A gift is a God-given special capacity to serve. I don't know what God gifted you to do. But he's gifted you if you're in Christ. You say, well, what if I don't know? Well, if you're one of those folks that want to take a spiritual gift survey and we can hook you up with that and you can do the spiritual gift survey and you can get, you know, the printout of about 50 to 100 pages and it'll tell you what color you are on the spectrum or it'll tell you what animal you are or it'll tell you whether you are an A or whatever kind of person. And please hear me, I'm a little cynical when it comes to those things because I know a great number of people that have spent a great deal of time to fall into some category yet they've not used their gift. Here's what I'd say. Just look at where God's at work and get to work. He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're sitting there and you're like, man, God's at work over here. I think I'd like to go serve over there. And you step in, and here's what will happen sometimes. You'll sit there and you'll say, okay, God's not gifted me in this way. Or maybe some of the leadership will come and say, hey, listen, we love you. We're thankful you're a part of our family. God's not gifted you here. But let us help you find where he has. I'm just saying, guys, church is more than just you coming and sitting and saying, all right, hope it was a good sermon. It's a good sermon today. Hope they sing some good songs today because if they do, I might give a good offering today. It's more than just coming and saying, wasn't that a great show? It's more than just saying, oh, that was a good, wonderful guilt remover. Or it's just coming and saying, man, that preacher, man, he preached the gospel today, walked all up and one side and down the other with hobnob boots on. I'm walking out of here. I feel terrible. Wasn't the gospel good? Oh, mm. verse six says he's given all of us gifts. And friends, one of the most liberating, amazing, energizing experiences in the Christian life is to use and exercise your gifts in the body of Christ. What would happen to Highland Park if every member of this local body suddenly began to understand, I'm a finger, I'm an elbow, I'm a kneecap. I'm a foot. This is my job. This is my function. And you just started doing it. Man, you talk about a mighty moving force of God. Mm. Accomplishing more than we could ever imagine. With our wildest dreams. That's the body of Christ. The body of Christ moving. The body of Christ growing. I love what F.B. Meyer wrote, and I want you to listen to this, okay? F.B. Meyer wrote this, It is urgently needful that the Christian people in our churches should come to understand that they are not a company of invalids to be wheeled about or fed by hand, nursed and comforted, but they are a garrison, a battalion in enemy country, every one of which should have some post of duty at which he should be prepared to make any sacrifice rather than quitting. God has given you a job to do in Highland Park Baptist Church. And if you're not doing that job, it's not getting done. You are unique. There is no one else like you. You have value. But the sad thing is, sometimes your value is covered up. 
God designed and God built you to do something in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but maybe through the years uh, you've been covered up with the vines of thinking that you're not worthy to do that. And let me just stop and say this. You're not worthy to do that. I'm not worthy to do that. My goodness, I'm not even worthy to say the name of Jesus out of my lips. The only thing that affords me the worthiness to praise his name is the fact that I I belong to him. He is the one that is worthy. He is the one that is king. And so listen, some of you have allowed these vines of thinking that you're not worthy or you don't have a place. It's time to tear those vines away and understand that there is something valuable that God has given to you and that is a gift. And there are some of you that need to be restored to ministry. That God's called you to. And when you do that, man, you begin to understand why God has placed you in the body. You'll begin to understand how you function. It'll be the most liberating experience that you ever have in the Christian life. And I'll close with this. And you hear me say this all the time. The only way this functions the way God intends for it to function is for you and I to say, it ain't about me, it's all about Jesus. Or, or excuse me, for those of you who prefer proper English, it is not about me. It is only about Jesus. And when we take that posture, I love the part of that song where they were saying, even if my name doesn't go down in history, even if I live my life and no one even remembers who I am, if they'll remember Jesus, that's a life worth lived. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www. Dot Highland and it's H I L A N D Park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him. Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.